Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Talking Dudley South podcast with me, Mike Wood, Member of Parliament. And today, really pleased to be uh, joined by the Chief Executive of the Dudley Group of Hospitals uh, Foundation Trust, uh, Diane Wake. Diane, um, tell us about uh, what you're doing locally, uh, Russell's Hall and more widely across the Trust, uh, to try and help people uh, deal with this outbreak and of course to be treating the many people who have either uh, caught the virus or think they might have caught the virus. Hi Mike, thank you very much for inviting me uh, onto the podcast. I'm really delighted to be speaking to you and your constituents. Um, We've had an absolutely overwhelming response from the wonderful people uh, of Dudley and our local communities whose generosity at this really difficult time for the hospital has been absolutely overwhelming. I've really never seen a response like it uh, in my career. Um, And I want to thank absolutely everyone who has uh, donated things to the Trust because actually our staff have genuinely really appreciated it at what is an incredibly uh, busy and um, really torrid time. We've had lots of donations of food and that's going down extremely well and uh, we've even had certain food outlets uh, delivering daily to our staff to keep them uh, well well nourished so just to name a few we've had uh, Sainsbury's, Domino's, Four Ways Bar and Grill and so many more I can't name them but several deliveries per day uh, of free food which we've been absolutely overwhelmed about. We've also been spending a lot of time in the last few months really uh, preparing and making plans for the increase in really poorly people because that's often when patients come into hospital and they've got COVID-19, they are likely to be much more, more poorly. Um, So because of that, we've had to uh, take some action such as limiting the visitors and patients coming into the hospital, particularly for non-urgent things um, or treatments so that we can make sure that we have the workforce and the skills that we need uh, to cope with the patients that actually need that level of expertise. We've ordered lots of extra kit and uh, equipment to support staff to work uh, in different ways. In terms of visiting, we have tried to ensure that areas such as maternity and our children's ward still have one person with them. And we've had tremendous support as well from our volunteers who are doing an absolutely amazing job uh, doing a lot of the running around uh, up, up to the wards and, and supporting and helping uh, our families. We've tried to support staff with um, doing very small gestures within the organisation. So we've made uh, car parking free for all of our staff that come to work. And that's been a a particularly big issue for staff who work in Dudley because car parking has always been a bit of an Achilles heel. Uh, And where possible, we're asking non-clinical staff uh, to work from home, really to help us with some of the uh, government plea around social uh, distancing. Um, And we are also redeploying people into different roles to support uh, our plans to make some of that happen. I do think some of the families are struggling with not being able to visit their loved ones and I think it is a really difficult time for them so we've been doing absolutely everything that we can do to try and let families keep in touch with each other. So we've had some iPads donated uh, to the hospital so that uh, patients can keep in touch uh, with with their uh, loved ones Uh, because I think that is is incredibly uh, important and I think if they can keep that contact it, it does really uh, help patients to co- recover much much more quickly. Thanks Diana. As you know, uh, about three years ago I spent a, f- a few weeks at Russell's Hall after I had a, 
uh, a septic shock. And obviously at that time, um, because I was in uh, intensive care, um, children weren't able to come into the hospital, uh, in, onto the ITU. And so I know how important um, it is that obviously families and loved ones are able to have that contact uh, with patients. So we managed to just about get by with FaceTime, whereas uh, what you're saying is that's e- even more important at the moment uh, with this current outbreak to make sure that people can have that contact without putting people, either patients, staff, or their loved ones at risk. Absolutely, Mike. Absolutely. It's spot on. And we're doing everything that we can to ensure that uh, patients stay uh, connected to their families, you know, using the mobile phone technology and the use of iPads and FaceTime and and, and laptops that we have in the organisation to help help with some of that. It is so important to patients. Now, obviously, this outbreak has affected people right across the country and uh, we, we see it in all parts of Dudley, of course. You know, hospital, a large organisation like uh, Dudley Reaper Hospitals Trust, is no different. Um, I, what, what kind of challenges are you seeing that people are facing through your work? I think the the main things that the public and uh, some of the patients' families are really finding difficult is is the thing that we've just mentioned, which is about the ability to come in and see and visit their their loved ones. And that is really difficult for them. And we completely understand that. But we do have to practice this social distancing. It is the thing that's going to help us get on top of of the uh, COVID-19 outbreak and help us manage manage it successfully so that the NHS is, is is not overwhelmed. We want to ensure that we have the intensive care capacity or critical care capacity in our hospital for when uh, our public needs it. And I think if uh, the public listen to the guidance from the government government around uh, social distancing uh, and listen to that advice and take that on board then we will begin to flatten that curve and that is really really important because we want to make sure we've got the facilities for when our patients need it. And obviously there's some incredible work being done by staff within our NHS and uh, care services or not and not just clinical staff, but also, of course, so many support staff across hospitals and other health institutions. But I think one of the things that people often forget is that doctors, nurses and support staff often get sick themselves as well. So in this kind of, uh, um, these measures that you're talking about are particularly important to make sure that the people who are caring for us are able to do so and don't put themselves at unnecessary risk but what are you finding with um, the uh, staff sicknesses at the moment Um, what proportion of uh, clinical staff in particular but also support staff do you you still have uh, available to work within the hospital? We have about 15% of our uh, workforce that are off at the moment either with uh, COVID related conditions so they're self-isolating or other forms of uh, sickness absence and a lot of these staff are, are from frontline staff so that is having a a significant impact. 
What I would say is that our staff have been amazing. They are being incredibly flexible. And so because we're not running routine operating lists and routine clinics, we have been able to free up some of the staff from those uh, clinical areas to work in areas that they're not quite as familiar with. And that's why we've been really keen uh, to provide uh, them with the training so that they feel that they've got the skills to work in different areas uh, of the organisation. And we're using a thing, uh, the, our pandemic flu plan, which we pulled together uh, in the past and we've kept refreshed and up to date. An area that we've really been working very hard on and you know a big shout out to our intensive care consultants and anaesthetic colleagues they've pulled together a fantastic uh, plan to make sure that we have the right critical care capacity in this hospital for when we will need it and we were asked to try and triple our efforts in terms of having that capacity to enable us to care for patients who might need to be on a ventilator and our teams have responded to that in a really amazing way and we've also got other consultants who've been coming forward. So consultants who wouldn't normally uh, work in an intensive care setting. So people, urologists who deal with uh, waterwork uh, difficulties, gynecologists, uh, psychiatrists, lots of people who've stepped forward to say, I want to be trained to care for a patient on a ventilator. I want to have those skills to be able to support patients who might need that uh, additional support in our hospital. And people have, have really stepped forward. I've been absolutely overwhelmed by it and we've had nurses and other professions professionals who've also uh, done that uh, and I think it's through that response and the real Dudley spirit in the organization that is really going to get us through this this diff difficult period and that uh, Dudley spirit I it has been one of the uh, it's hard to say that there's uh, an upside of uh, such a horrible and deadly outbreak as as this but some of the community spirit that we've seen um, within the hospital but also more widely uh, has been uh, extremely good to see but I think that's an important point that you make as as this outbreak develops and escalates because I think it is important for, uh, for people to understand that a lot's being done to try to flatten that curve to make sure that as few uh, as few people are infected and obviously there's many people as healthy uh, as possible but even if absolutely everything works that the social distancing restrictions have the effect that they're supposed to it is likely that at least for the next three four weeks that we're going to see increasing numbers of people with the infection and with that some of them will be very seriously ill and sadly a large number of them uh, uh, are likely uh, to uh, to die, but um, that clearly just makes it even more important that we do everything we can to keep that to an absolute uh, minimum. One of the uh, one of the issues that's obviously uh, raised is how we identify people who do have this coronavirus, and uh, of course, a large part of that is in testing. Um, now, what, what, what's your experience being of testing for coronavirus within the hospital? What, what is being done and where do you see that developing? The big focus at the moment is on testing patients that come in with typical uh, COVID-19 symptoms. Uh, and we uh, identify those patients. We've got a pathway that we follow that tells us whether a patient is likely to have COVID or not. And we have an area in the hospital at our front door where we isolate those patients. And at that point, 
uh, swabs are taken and, and sent off to the laboratory. The laboratories uh, in the country are prioritising inpatients and patients in critical care settings for testing. And it's taking about 24 to 48 hours to get the swab results uh, back uh, on patients. Uh, that is being uh, extended. So we're seeing every day the capacity for testing uh, increasing uh, across the country which is absolutely fantastic because we do need to be able to uh, test more people. But to be clear, we are only keeping people in hospital that need to be here. So if we identify somebody who may have COVID, but they are well enough to go home, obviously we're giving them appropriate advice. They will be swabbed, but we would be encouraging them to self-isolate at home rather than admitting them into an inpatient bed. One of the areas where we really need to improve upon from a testing point of view is the ability to test our staff. Uh, we have tested small numbers uh, of staff, but that takes away the testing from the patients. Uh, so at the moment, we are looking at how that capacity uh, can be increased. So we've been working with private sector organisations and the wider NHS to make sure that we have that capacity going forward. That is increasing on a day-by-day -day basis and we're hoping by the end of this week that we'll have a system in place that allows us to test our staff to understand whether they're positive or not and that would then enable us to get uh, our staff uh, back to work. Uh, in the community, uh, uh, our uh, commissioning group are setting up something called Red Centres. Uh, so they're very keen to support the hospital uh, to make sure that patients aren't coming in, coming into our A&E department or assessment units unnecessarily. And they feel some of the consultations that they're doing with patients, so it's a little bit like you and I having this uh, conversation today, that's how they're in primary care, GPs are assessing patients. For some patients that is absolutely fine and they can do a very comprehensive assessment, but for some patients what they need to do is actually listen to their chest and bring them to a, bring them into a facility that's not a hospital and so we, we are setting up in Dudley uh, with the support of commissioners and um, primary care um, respiratory assessment centres for those uh, types of patients and I hope going forward we'll be able to test that group of patients as well uh, because again that will give us some understanding on whether we're getting on, on top of the COVID-19 virus uh, or not. So lots of real positives. Testing is improving. Uh, we're getting the results back much more quickly than we were a few weeks ago and the ability to test more patients and hopefully by the end of this week to test staff is really, really encouraging. And as more and more tests uh, are available, as um, uh, particularly if the new antigen uh, testing uh, proves to be effective and obviously the uh, NHS has ordered three and a half million of these Absolutely. as an initial pre-order so that's a huge number of tests and so that will allow you to widen uh, the range of people and of course make sure that NHS frontline staff are able to be tested so as you say if they if they're sick that they can uh, self-isolate they can get the care that they need and if either they're recovered or it wasn't COVID-19 to start with hopefully they can be back uh, back working as uh, as quickly as uh, as possible. I think one, one final thing that a lot of people are asking about for NHS staff is there's been a lot of coverage uh, in the news about access to personal protective equipment, the kind of masks and aprons that uh, obviously for many of us we only really see it on casualty but you imagine it as being essential for, uh, uh, for an outbreak. What's your experience been of 
access to the protective equipment that's needed for frontline workers to be doing their job. Yeah, if, if there's one thing that is causing a lot of anxiety to our staff, that is the, um, the I suppose it's the sustainability and the regular deliveries of personal protective equipment um, to, to staff in the organisation. It has been inconsistent over the, the last few uh, weeks it is improving. I think one of the main issues has been around uh, the NHS being able to respond from a delivery perspective. So I genuinely believe the stocks are there, but it, it, it's been about us being able to get those stocks out to deliver to all of the uh, organisations that require uh, the PPE. Uh, the Army have recently been drafted in, in to help with that, and we are now able to get deliveries 24-7 uh, um, uh, of, of PPE. Uh, one of the areas where there is great concern is around some of the FFP3 masks. Um, I think uh, the thing that's given us the greatest challenge is that we've not had the same mask mask delivered to the uh, organisation all of the time. So what that means is that staff, when they wear, wear these face fitted masks, they have to be fitted to wear them. You have to make sure actually... Uh, that they fit correctly otherwise they're absolutely uh, no good and staff are fitted for a certain type of mask um, and the procurement chain have not been able to deliver the same mask so we have a large number of masks in each NHS organisation which causes some anxiety to staff and a, a loss of confidence I suppose in the system we are trying to uh, put that right uh, we, we want to ensure that our staff are, are protected and have the right equipment to do that so there's no lack of supply of things like aprons and gloves it is the masks what i would like to say is that we are uh, doing our utmost to ensure that our staff have the right ppe to care for the patients safely so that both themselves as members of staff are protected but so are our patients so that's clearly something that urgently needs to be uh, addressed nationally i'm finally diane if there was a piece of advice that you could offer to anyone listening to this podcast to the community more widely perhaps they're not feeling very well they uh, obviously start to worry it could be covid they're living yes. with family what advice would you give um what i would say is stay at home and uh, follow the government advice wash your hands uh, more often because that is really really important try not to touch your face and i think if you start to think about that you realize how many times you do that every day good basic basic hygiene is really really uh, important and if you do have a temperature or a new persistent cough then please do use the nhs 111 uh, service for help and advice and they will guide you uh, appropriately and I think it is really important that we listen to what the government is saying around social distancing. That is really, really important. This is going to help us beat COVID-19 and help us uh, flatten uh, that curve. And uh, just a, a thank you to support from the public in Dudley. You know, it's, it is difficult, particularly if you've, got, if you've got loved ones in hospital and you're wanting to come and visit. And I know we've put a lot of restrictions on that, but it is to support the social distancing uh, and, and to make sure that we're, we're all taking on board that government 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 advice there's two things mike i just wanted to, to show we've had some fantastic support uh, from the public and today i received uh, this i don't know if you can see that this in the post uh, with a letter 
from Demi Hanney, who was 13, and Leila Kilvert, who was seven. And she wanted to thank us all for saving lives. And she was she hopes, or both these young girls hope, that this will uh, cheer up uh, the doctors and nurses. And they wanted to thank them. And then the, uh, we had a second one that arrived, which is nearly uh, bigger than me, but you can see it there. And again, another rainbow. And that was from a, one of our uh, members of staff's daughter who sent that in to thank all the doctors and nurses. And these are just two examples of uh, the, the, the great things that's happening here in Dudley. Well, thanks, Diane. And thank you so much for taking the time to, to join me today for enjoying what's obviously such an incredibly busy, busy time. Um, for anybody who is uh, looking for further advice and guidance, as Diane mentioned, obviously the first place to go is the NHS website, which is nhs.uk. It's not .co.uk, it's not .com, it's nothing else, just nhs.uk. And for the 111 line uh, that Diane mentioned, if you think that you might have symptoms, you want advice, the website for that is 111.nhs.uk. And other than that, I think the only other place to be getting uh, uh, your main advice from on uh, COVID-19 is the is the official government website, which sets out the updates, the new guidance, uh, the new advice that's been coming out of the government. And that's from www.gov.uk slash coronavirus. Thanks again for joining me uh, today, Diane. Um, these podcasts can be downloaded from wherever you normally get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Google. Uh, and until uh, until next time, make sure that you take care of yourself, your family and those around you. Make sure that you stay at home, look after yourselves, and make sure you don't put unnecessary pressure on those who are doing so much fantastic work to look after all of us and keep us all safe. Thanks so much. Thank you.